This is Denise Crosby, and you're listening to PriorityOnePodcast.com. Bandwidth for Priority One Podcast is brought to you by Playa Escondida. Ever dreamed of visiting Planet Riza? Well, Playa Escondida is the ultimate beach resort excursion. Visit PlayaEscondida.com to book your ultimate vacation getaway. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains, and Happy New Year! You're listening to episode 155 of Priority One Podcast, the first episode of 2014, recorded Thursday, January 2nd, live on trekradio.net and available for download or streaming on Monday mornings at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. And I'm Elliot. Elliot, Happy New Year, good sir. Happy New Year to you. All right, let's jump right in. What do we have in store this week? Well, this week we trek out the top 10 Star Trek headlines of 2013, thanks to treknews.net. In Stowe News, we have a new Spire-featured project. We share our hopes for Stowe in 2014, and Stowe goes boldly to console. Maybe. In this week's Community Spotlight, Chivalry Bean returns with a Foundry review of Valley of the Shadow 1. And of course, as always, we'll open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming from you, our listeners. Captains, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. You can continue to support Priority One with real-world donations by helping us reach our monthly financial goals. Visit PriorityOnePodcast.com and donate where you can. You can even make a purchase in our store. A very special thanks to everyone who has already contributed and who drinks coffee from a Priority One mug and continues to do so on a regular basis. Without your ongoing support, we would not be able to bring you the content you've grown to enjoy from Priority One Podcast. Captains, don't forget that PriorityOnePodcast.com offers more than just podcasts. For instance, we have the first of what we hope are many interviews with Star Trek notables, like the first interview with Star Trek author Dayton Ward. Check those out only on PriorityOnePodcast.com. As a matter of fact, Captains, you can join the team at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Right now, we are in need of a talented video editor to help bring our 2014 plans to life. So if you're a skilled video editor and have dabbled with Star Trek Online, we would like to hear from you if you're interested in volunteering with us. Send us an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, let's check out the top 10 stories of 2013. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. So we've just moved into 2014, but 2013 was a big year for Star Trek. Fortunately, our friends at Trek News have helped recap the year in a fancy top 10 list of the biggest headlines featuring Star Trek in 2013. Take it away, Elijah. All right. So... We won't highlight all the top tens, but we'll talk about the ones that kind of piqued our interest the most, at least mine. 
Uh, first being, if you take a look at this list, is that William Shatner sends a tweet to space and he gets a response. In a tweet sent to Commander Chris Hadfield of the Canadian Space Agency, William Shatner tweets, Are you tweeting from space, MBB? To which he replies, Yes, standard orbit, Captain, and we're detecting signs of life on the surface. So very, very fun and jovial times there. Uh, William Shatner loves to tweet. He's always on there uh, starting fights or starting conversations, whichever it may be. And this is one of the most notable conversations he had in 2013. Up next, we have comments from Paramount's vice chairman about the future of Star Trek and J.J.'s involvement. We finally learned that J.J. will not be directing the third installment of the Star Trek reboot. Uh, and instead, he will only be on as uh, perhaps a producer, um, consultant. He's going to be doing uh, that little thing called Star Wars. Yay! The only yay thing about it is that Orsi is still going to be on board in screenwriting. So I'm okay with that. However, all these names, these names that people have th- been throwing around, the two writers and, and the one director, these no names, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a little apprehensive about it. However... It could very well be a, a great thing for Star Trek. It certainly could be. I mean, I'm, I'm what my, here's my fondest little you know wish upon a star wish is that JJ, with his focus largely on on Star Wars, that Orsi, the resident Trekkie in that mix, uh, will be able to start shifting the series a little more towards the kind of uh, sensibility that most of us Trek fans have come to love in the series in the forty years prior to this. I'm hoping he has the room to do that with J.J. focusing on Star Wars now. I think so, and I hope so. Because even J.J. himself, I think, has been reviewing the movies. And you see you see him apologizing for things like the lens flare and, uh, and other little mistakes that were made with the movies. Hopefully his focus is going to be more on, on Star Wars than having his hand in the cookie jar of, of Trek. Up next, Shatner returns as Captain Kirk at the Oscars. Now, if you guys did not catch this, uh, Seth MacFarlane hosted the Oscars in 2013 and involved William Shatner in the opening sequence of the 85th Annual Oscar Awards ceremony. Um, This was a pretty controversial and talked about little appearance. I mean, well, actually, all of the Oscars was controversial. Uh, but it was interesting to see Shatner back in the chair, donning the role of Captain Kirk one more time in a parody of himself, so to speak. Yeah, uh, I, I could have lived without it. Yeah, I, I granted, I, I could have lived without it. It wasn't really particularly artfully done, but it was yuckworthy. I mean, I, I didn't personally have a big problem with it. I, I mean, it would have been nice had it been a retrospective of decades of pop culture influence, but, you know, that wasn't going to happen. You know, certainly not with Seth MacFarlane as the host. So I, I enjoyed it, but I can I can see why people were a little put off. And Shatner does it again in 2013 when he battles a Gorn, the original Gorn, in a Star Trek the video game spot. Uh, now this was fun. I did enjoy seeing this. He, that was awesome. Yeah, that was that was a fun little parody where um, in the Star Trek the game that was based off of the movie, um, the Gorn were introduced. So. They pin him up with the old Gorn from the original series. That was a very fun commercial to watch. A rematch 45 years in the making. 
Star Trek Into Darkness opened amazingly internationally, grossing 5.5 million in Australia, 7.6 million in Germany, and 13.3 million in the United Kingdom. Listen, Star Trek, despite what the fans think of the movie, it put cheeks in the seats. And that's what we want, right? We want cheeks in the seats so that we can get more Star Trek, however it may be. You know, I've said this on previous episodes. When I first saw the the first JJ movie, I remember coming out of the theater and there was this group of, you know, very, very cute, popular looking high school girls, the sort of which would have paid us zero attention in, in high school. And as, as I was walking by, I heard one of them say, oh, Spock, he's so hot. I, I I literally teared up. I just I I, I mean I, I started to cry on my way out of the theater. I was like, oh my god, I can't believe it finally happened. And so for that, I thank JJ, and that's where my gratitude for JJ ends. But I'm glad he was able to uh, to do that to bring Trek into the mainstream in a way that it hasn't been for 30 years. To couple that. Star Trek Into Darkness was released on September 10th on both Blu-ray and DVD and debuted at number one on both national sales charts for the week ending on September 15th, according to treknews.net. So another amazing turnout for Star Trek film. I did not buy the DVD, and I did not buy the DVD because it was fragmented between what bonus features were at Target if you bought it at Target what bonus features were if you bought it at Best Buy no no I just that's just I, I did not like the fact that they fragmented the films the, the DVD release for all these various different retailers and, and and Amazon got this and Target got that and Walmart you could get a ship and no I, I'm not gonna go out and buy the same movie three or four times just to get everything, right? And it's not just figurine. It was featurettes, right? It was it was commentaries that were that you would miss out on if you bought it from Best Buy and not Walmart. And that's just that's just terrible marketing. I don't I don't know who thought that up. Yeah, I, I bought it because I just but I bought the most basic pack I could get, the one that had the the DVD and the Blu-ray. And I didn't care about the features. I didn't care about the tchotchkes. I just wanted to make sure that I owned the movie. All right, and lastly, but certainly not least. The first episode of Star Trek Continues airs. Now, Star Trek Continues is a fan-made web series. Um, and and I got to say, it's, it's an amazing series. Vic Mignogna does an amazing job capturing Kirk. You know, he's not imitating him, but he definitely captures him. He, he does a very good job at that. And Star Trek Continues by Farragut Films. It literally continues where Star Trek the original series left off. Uh, as if it were to have continued for the fourth and fifth season. So uh, good luck to the web series. We're looking forward to more episodes, and um, as well as, as other fan-made web series like Star Trek Renegades uh, from Renegade Studios. So we're looking forward to, to all this new, amazing fan-made content in 2014, because 2013 proved to be a big year for that. Well, Captains, that wraps up Trek It Out for this week. Don't forget, if you discover something that you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about, then... Make us aware of it. Send it over to us via email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Let's check out what happened in Star Trek Online News. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. All right, the first topic in Star Trek Online News this week is something that inspired me from an article I read on MMORPG. In Star Trek Online, sure, there are always bugs to squash, ships to make, a new race to introduce, but 
what new features or improvements could Star Trek Online benefit from in 2014? I argue that dynamic content would be a really great way to keep players engaged and ultimately keep those cheeks firmly planted in those seats. In an article on MMORPG.com, writer, among other things, Mark Kern begins a discussion about new trends emerging in the world of MMOs, one of those being dynamic events or dynamic content occurring in the game space. Now, what do I mean by dynamic content or events? Well, let's take the Borg Red Alert. I would argue that this is a form of dynamic events, at least in a conceptual form. You're flying through space when suddenly you get a message on your screen that something, somewhere, is going down. And if you don't go and help, the fate of the world may be in danger. But you see, that's where the Borg red alerts, and I would go so far as to say even the dice and territory control falls short. There's no lasting consequence if you don't show up. Now don't get me wrong, these are really great new mechanics to Star Trek Online that have certainly continued to keep the game moving forward. However, what if you didn't show up to one of those Borg red alerts? And suddenly that sector is overrun by the Borg for 24 hours. Alright, that may not be the best example in, in this case for an MMO, but I really hate seeing the sudden spike of interest when something like the new Borg Red Alerts is introduced and it suddenly fizzles out once there's a new shiny. Then that fizzles out because a new shiny was introduced. What if the Borg Red Alerts, among other things, actually meant something in the world of Star Trek Online? What if the reward was handsome enough to keep your interest? And so, when a Red Alert triggers, you still want to go and fight, even though it was released 10 months ago. I really would love to see the Star Trek online world feel more alive to me, so that when I log in just to do my daily maintenance, my focus suddenly shifts because I've been hailed by a distressed freighter, and dropping everything that I was doing to help them would mean something in the game world. Perhaps in the form of a leaderboard, some special loot, 48 hour bonus or, or buffs, but not a currency. Definitely, definitely not a new currency. I'll settle for incorporating this into a reputation system, as long as the return on investment is high. I really just want more more immersion in Star Trek Online. I want to feel like a captain exploring in space and, and suddenly I'm called upon to change the tide of the battle. I want my involvement to make an impact on the game and to other players around me. Elliot, what do you think? What do you think about dynamic content? Now, I, we've touched upon this a little bit in the past about an event where the Enterprise F comes calling for help. I think the red alerts are, for instance, a great first step in the direction of, of a dynamic event where you feel that your involvement means something, right? I remember the red alerts came out. Oh, it's accolade. We got it's another accolade hunt. But now, if a red alert triggers, you go in and, and you're lucky if if somebody else warps in with you. You know, my problem is every time it, it seems like a huge percentage of the time that I actually activate a red alert and go in, um, it's stuck in this perpetual cycle where it doesn't actually it it's already been completed. It doesn't reset. I have absolutely no chance to do it. So that's happened to me so many times that I just I don't bother to do it anymore. I think that the inspiration behind it, the idea of the red alerts is fantastic. I'd love to see you know even even just starting out with a simple change like add you know doing a Nausicaan red alert or or a Klingon red alert or something like that but i just honestly i'm i'm a little done with board content just in general um after thousands of of STF runs and and uh you know hundreds of other uh board based missions I, I just there's so much more to the trek universe to fight much less explore you know, never mind helping a, a distressed freighter, never mind that sort of thing. 
Um, but but just straight combat, there's so much more that you can do that doesn't revolve around the board. But what about like the Dyson, the Dyson ground battle, right? The Dyson ground battle is a, ter- a sort of territory control, right? It's we're, right. it's a territory control against NPC. But what if it was timed? What if on February 2nd, if the Voth maintained control, if their points were higher, Kestrel would take the 2409 story to direction A instead of direction B? What if that involvement actually meant something in the game? Just like when you see, for instance, when a, a, an episode on TV does it, right? Text what ending you want to see, right? And, and you have 10 minutes to text something, something, something to a, a number, and then the end of the episode will change. Or a game like Defiance, where your involvement in the MMO will actually influence the episode. As far as I understand, I haven't played Defiance. You know, that was certainly their intention with Defiance. I, From what I've read, it hasn't really panned out that way. The game features content from the series, and the series features content from the game, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of ways that you as a player can influence that. That's Now, I'm not discrediting your idea. I think it's a fantastic idea, and I would love to see that. You know, I mean, what what about this? What about something like, uh, I know you, you weren't a big World of Warcraft player, were you? Not a big one, no. I I did play it a little bit. Well, what about their, their world firsts, like uh, opening up on Garage or something like that, you know, where it takes this enormous effort and uh, a concerted effort by a group of players to go through this entire quest chain to get to the point where they open this thing up for the first time for everybody on the server. As a player group, you're contributing real value to the rest of the server put your guild or your in this case your fleet you know resources and time and attention and, and, and personal game time towards accomplishing this goal really f- just for bragging rights and then boom it's popped open on the server I'd love to see something a little more than than just accolades but something that I want to feel like a captain in the Star Trek series that as I'm flying through space something pops up now I don't I would hate for it to be as campy as Pokemon like I'm running through the brushes and all of a sudden and then you know Charizard pops up but it got to a point a little bit over the winter break and I took I took a break over the winter right you know I was going in but I was going in just to get my my autographs right I wanted to get my autographs so I can stack them and store them for for the next year but how awesome would it be if I logged in and something grabbed my attention I get a, a message in the in the moments that I'm in there because some type of event is going on that requires everybody to rush in. Periodically, maybe like the Dyson Battle Zone. Maybe one or two times a day, if the Federation or Klingon Alliance successfully defeats the Voth during these dynamic events, during these hours of play, right? It's the same event, but just during these hours. If the Federation and Klingon Alliance beats the Voth, that's one point towards the Federation. But if nobody shows up and everybody fails, that's one point for the Voth. And if the Voth win, Kestrel takes the story in one direction. If the Federation and Klingon Alliance wins, that takes the story in another direction. Yeah, Planetside and Planetside 2 had a similar function except without the story element. It's a pretty compelling gameplay mechanic. I mean, people are still playing Planetside and they're still playing Planetside 2. And other than the first-person shooter excitement element of it, there really isn't a lot else to draw people to that game other than the persistence of the map. Well, Captains, tell us. What type of game mechanic would you like to see in Star Trek Online in 2014? Is it really just about new missions? A new race to take from level 1 to 50? Or would you like to see more features like dynamic content and dynamic events come to Star Trek Online? Let us know your thoughts in the comment section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com 
forward slash P0155. Or in this episode's post on the official Star Trek Online forums. All right, Elliot, what do we have next in Star Trek Online news? News has been floating around that Perfect World Entertainment, Cryptic's parent company and publisher, has confirmed in a press release to Joystick, that's the parent network for uh, Massively, that there are plans to bring both current and future MMO titles to next-gen consoles. In the press release, CEO Alan Chen wrote, Perfect World Entertainment has long been the leader in free-to-play PC titles. Bringing our titles to consoles is a natural progression for us, and we can't wait to set a new standard for console MMORPGs and other genres. Now, for those of you who may have been following Stowe way back in the day when Jack Emmert and Craig Zinkovich were at the helm, and Al Rivera hadn't seen the light of day for months because he was cramming out STO, they had announced that the game was developed with the goal of publishing on console as well, and you can actually hook up a controller and play STO. I think I remember Dr. Robert Hurt mentioning that in passing. What do you think? Stow on the Xbox, on the PlayStation, or Wii? How would the servers work? DCUO doesn't share the server between PC and PlayStation players, which is whack. Which is whack. It is. Totally whack. whack. The fact that the servers are split, like DC Universe Online, right? It's You've got the, the PlayStation server, and then you've got PC server. That's just That just is terrible for me, man. I don't like that idea. If you're going to do it, then find a way to overcome that technological hurdle and play on the same server. You know what? I think it was actually one of our first interviews, if not the first interview with Dan Saul, that I brought it up. And I said, you know, is there still the plan? And I, I want to say I remember him saying that the technology is there. It can be done where an Xbox or console can talk to the same server that a PC gamer can. can. Um, I don't know where that lies now though i don't know how that may have changed or you know is that something that microsoft or sony would not allow that you know no way is it a technological hurdle or is it a a marketing hurdle certainly it's a technological hurdle although although you're right probably the um the licensing is the biggest deal because very often you know console manufacturers want to have exclusives they really try to do that whenever whenever possible so that you uh, have to buy, you know, if you want this game, you got to play it on Xbox. Or if you got want this game, you got to play it on, on PlayStation. PC is sort of the great uh, democratizer for games because all you, you know, you, you can have any one of a million different configurations. And as long as um, you're running one of, you, you know, really Windows or, you know, Mac for some games or uh, a bootcamp type deal, you know, that's really the barrier for entry right there. And the vast majority of people using a PC of one variety or another, it's going to be uh, OS X or it's going to be Windows 7 or 8. Captains, this is our next community question to you. What are your thoughts? Is Star Trek Online or any other MMO for that matter destined for next-gen consoles? Well, I say Xbox, Fire Phasers. Should MMOs, in the conventional sense, stay on the PC? Again, let us know your thoughts in the comments section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash P0155 or in the episode's post on the official Star Trek Online forums. Xbox, next piece of Star Trek Online news. All right, lastly, there is, of course, a Season 8, Dev Blog number 33. Between Thursday, December 26th, through maintenance time on Thursday, January 9th, your fleet can participate in the fourth Spire featured project titled A Proud Display. 
which will decorate the Spire's interior with faction-specific banners and consoles. Make sure to go in and and trigger those projects if your fleet uh, can do them. Well, that wraps up Star Trek Online news for this week. Let's go ahead and check out Shivery Bean's Foundry review of Valley of the Shadow One. Shivery Bean here with another Foundry Officer report. This time I played Valley of the Shadow by NCC-89471. No bloody A, B, C, or D. Valley of the Shadow is a mission designed for Romulans. I played the Federation version, and there's supposed to be a Klingon version, but I couldn't find it. It's the same mission, however, with slight tweaks. Valley of the Shadow offers a rich story custom maps, and sneaking around and shooting Tal Shiar in the face. The mission has you going undercover to talk to a resistance leader on a planet of a subjugated race. They are under the heel of the Tal Shiar and are fighting back. They are asking the Romulan Republic for help. Most of the game is on interior or ground maps. Many of the maps are customized heavily, and some are built from the ground up. The shantytown and the Talshar compound are nicely crafted. The story is deep and there are a lot of people to talk to and plenty of dialogue options to choose. It's a reading heavy mission but it is paced pretty well with player activity. There isn't a lot of fighting but it is there where it makes sense for it to be. I read all the story and I think I played about an hour so it's an investment of time but it was never dull. I recommend this for your Romulan character. It was a good experience. There is also a double bonus this week, as due to my own lack of attention, I accidentally played the wrong Foundry mission first, so I thought I'd give that mission and one other a quick mention. The first mission is Nausikins in the Valley of Wind, plus two points if you get the title reference. In fact, nearly the whole mission is just referencing other things, and overall it's just a fun mission. The second mission is Unexpected Reflection by some hack writer named Chivalry Bean. He recently republished his Soul Foundry mission with new content such as optional story dialogue, achievements, and a cameo from everyone's favorite Rigelian. Give it a play, and if you get the one achievement that's supposed to be impossible, I'll give you a bottle of Romulan Ale. Now I know you just want to rush right now and play my mission, but first, here's feedback. Let's hear what you have to say. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. All right, so we've got feedback coming in from episode 154. Now, just a reminder, our community questions for that episode were, what is your favorite feature added to Star Trek Online in 2013? And has there been a change to Star Trek Online that ever threatened your desire to continue to play it? So, uh, Elliot, go ahead, take our first piece of feedback. Sean Newboy writes, Community question one, legacy of Romulus. Community question two, just the first day of the winter event, when I got stuck in the winter invasion by myself with snowballs, I, uh, I could not leave at all. Bought four Romulan survivor doff packs, got a bulwark in the first one, donated it to the fleet for a prize in an upcoming event. Love the show. Great job on everything. All right. Lincoln in Space writes in, 
Thank you for your positive review of A Time to Search, Shivery Bean. I agree, the dev community is good at interacting with the player base, but sadly, those of us involved in the Foundry community feel very neglected as the team has put most of their effort on expansions and other aspects of the game. We have seen the Foundry actually lose features, acquire bugs, and fall way behind. Here is hoping 2014 will see some much-needed development attention for the Foundry toolset. Keep up the good work with your well-produced show. Lincoln in Space, thank you so very much. And, and you're right. You know, the Foundry uh, has been the redheaded stepchild, I guess, of, of Star Trek Online. You know, sometimes there's, there's a few steps forward or one step forward and then several steps back. Uh, Foundry, of course, still being in, in quote-unquote beta. It'd be nice. You know, I'd love to see missions being developed that really encapsulate the, the Star Trek Online story. Sometime in the last year, I remember one of the devs saying on air here that the Foundry was developed in Star Trek Online so that it would be mature for Neverwinter release. Am I crazy or did that happen? It was started in Star Trek Online and then upgraded by Neverwinter. And then it's developed further in Neverwinter. So hopefully what they'll do is just bring the shard over the Neverwinter team into Star Trek Online and, and, and further develop it. Mark, in response to Community Question 2, When I first picked up Star Trek Online, I was still playing City of Heroes regularly. I had hoped that STO was going to be a much better game than it turned out to be on launch, and was severely disappointed, especially because I had bought a pre-order and a lifetime subscription. Luckily, I came back to give the game another try in January of 2013, after City of Heroes closed in November 2012, Needless to say, the sheer awesome amount of things that had changed was very overwhelming but welcome. Ground combat wasn't as bad as it had been, and space combat was nearly everything I had hoped for. Yes, Stowe has made me rage quit, but it has also lured me back with a siren's call made of solid ship combat. It does have some solid ship combat, and Mark, it's good to see that you've come back to the game. Uh, be sure to... Uh, to- Find us in-game. All right, we've got Ukami87 writing, I'd have to say that the cruiser commands are my favorite function of the year, though the Singularity core abilities on the Romulan side of things takes a close second. Both of these mechanics have brought new strategies into the game. As far as a change that almost made me quit, I'd have to say that was back when they took the original Borg STF mission and broke them into what they are now. Really, the only reason I continued playing is that I'm a Trek fan. Not saying they are bad now, but it would have been nice if they'd kept the option to play through the story like it was intended. I can see how keeping the option would be appealing. I guess that would be my choice, not that I'd do it very often, but if I had to pick broken or not broken, I'm taking broken every day of the week. Some of those ground missions were brutal. That was one of the barriers to entry for me when they were out, is that you know, you had to you had to block out an afternoon. You really did. Yeah, absolutely. I just I really didn't get into, get into STFs until they separated them out like they have now. Because now I can drop in and I can run the space ones back to back to back with a ten minute cooldown in between and do what I need to do. I've, well, I've done that now and I have all the gear I want. Uh, and that's the other thing is the loot drops. Oh my god, changing the loot drops that was huge, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. huge. I mean, yes, it takes a little while, and I can see some grumbling about the rep system, but. It is so much better than the crapshoot it used to be. Holy Having smokes. Having to pray to the loot gods that they would drop the right thing. Orangitis writes, uh, I absolutely love the idea of player distress calls. Bring it on. That would be the perfect system for me and my friends. Now, for those of you that uh, may not remember, James had an amazing idea. He talked about uh, a feature in, uh, of adding a feature to the game that would allow players, if they're in a mission or an STF, 
to hail for a distress call, like hail a distress call to your fleeties or your friends. So a, a message would pop up and it would say, I'm having trouble with the mission. Can you come help me? Uh, you know, a, a novel idea, and I think it'd be fun, especially for RP. Maybe maybe the face of the captain would pop up on a, on a view screen, uh, and all, all staticky. And I need help. I'm doing an STF by myself with a bunch of pugs and, and a pug group, and it's terrible help. I've been taking a little bit of winter break, too, and taking advantage of the Steam sale. I picked up Shogun 2 Total War. They have an option where you can open up the mission you're in for players to drop in on. Um, so uh, I don't know how it works on the other side. I never opened it up, but uh, but it's an, uh, it seems like a really cool option to have. All right, Shivery Bean writes in, Elijah, pay me energy credits and tell me your shipbuild golds, and I'll do all the research and give you a spreadsheet with where to get everything. Because who likes making spreadsheets for games? This guy, Shivery Bean. Thank you, Shivery. I, I appreciate the the service that you would provide. However, there is a part of me that does like to, to open up those spreadsheets and and compare specs of deflector dishes. And it feels to me a little bit now that players who want to do that have their work cut out for them. He continues to write, favorite new feature, the Voth style reputation. What update nearly ruined my stow experience? The Voth ground battle zone. I was honestly expecting an area that would take days to take over, not a half hour. I was disappointed. However, once the sadness and woe wore off, I started to enjoy getting all the dilithiums in not long at all. Plus, dinosaurs! Hello! Side note, if Ark is so terrible, then why is it bringing in Neverwinter players into Star Trek Online? A co-worker mentioned he was playing Neverwinter and was considering Star Trek Online, and I was like, hey, I play Stowe. Come join the fun! Now he's in Stowe. In the least, it isn't all that bad. It's funny because actually... Uh, a few of my coworkers decided to pick up Star Trek Online and, and attempt to play it, uh, and I think they're, they've been caught. You know, I think now's a really good time to start playing Star Trek Online, right? Like, let's look at Mark, right? Mark earlier said that he had played it when it first came out. It was really bad. He left. He got called, and all of a sudden, his experience is, is just completely different. And it's true. The game four years ago from today is a totally different game. It really totally is. different experience, yeah. Especially for intro players. If I had left the game and then came back and started from scratch, I the the immersion, for instance, just just the tutorial alone, the learning curve. Yeah, the learning curve would be easier. The tutorial would just grab me. Uh, you know, I I think that losing Zachary Quinto's voice overwork was a necessary evil uh, to really pop out an amazing amazing uh, tutorial for the game. For the Federation side, yeah, luckily well they didn't lose all of it. Yeah, yeah, but um, but yeah, it's it's cool to see that new players are still finding the game, uh, still you know four years in, and there are no signs of stopping. Well, we've heard the devs say numerous times now that this is the game they wanted to release. Had they had the time and budget, uh, had CBS allowed the timeline, this is the game they would have come out with. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. You know, it was literally Hour of Error and a few, a handful of other developers in a dark room for um, for three months, three, four, five months, popping out a game, a, a proof of concept to CBS, and CBS had a deadline, and that proof of concept came out, and it was a functioning game, but it wasn't the game that they wanted. And here, here it is. They have the chance now to make the game that they wanted, and we're seeing that. Drake122SVK writes in, a question regarding the needed video editor. Are you looking for a professional editor, or can an ordinary person with video capture editing skills also apply? Oh my god, yes. Apply frequently and often. 
Um, and that goes for any position we talk about. We are a volunteer organization, and as such, we cannot expect professionals uh, to, to be applying because we can't pay them professionally. Every one of us is a volunteer. Most of us learned our skills on the go here over the last months and years. A few, like our Emmy-winning... Two-time Emmy. Two-time Emmy award-winning sound editor uh, and and a few others you know our web developer is a real live web developer i started editing the show early on and uh i think the last time i did any serious audio editing was 1992 um so yeah things have changed a little bit no need for professionals only we will listen to your work and work with you if you think you can uh match our expectations here which are not over the moon we just want to do the best we can with the materials and uh, and the hosts that we have at our disposal so please let us know. Send us an email. If anybody is interested in assisting us with uh, video editing, we have plans, uh, but we need somebody that has some skill in video capturing for Star Trek Online and then splicing that and making it look pretty in the presentation that you've come to expect here from Priority One Podcast. So uh, please, by all means, you know, as Elliot said, we're a volunteer. We can't pay you except in hugs and, and gratitude. But heck, I put Priority One Podcast on my resume. That's right. It, it, it actually has helped more than a handful of uh, alums find professional work, paying work. So yeah, there's there's a lot of different ways. Plus, there's the benefit of you get to go to things like uh, conventions, and, and granted, we all pay our own freight for those, but uh, it puts us in a place where just as average fans, we wouldn't be able to have the conversations we do and meet the people we do as easily. That's been a great uh, payoff, too, is just the interaction with the community and with the content creators, both um, on a level that I wouldn't normally be interacting if it was just all by my lonesome. It's true. Uh, you know, if we look back at 2013, we had interviews with, with Richard Hatch of Battlestar Galactica, with Jason David Frank, Tim Russ, Denise Crosby. At Vegas, I got to sit down and, and talk to Michael Westmore. Uh, I had the opportunity to sit down and, and interview Armin Shimmerman. I, that, you know, that was amazing. Doug Drexler, John Eves. Uh, we've had the opportunity because of this podcast to speak with these many people, and, and it, it really is an honor and a pleasure to, to present this to you guys on a weekly basis. And if you can volunteer, if you have a talent that you think can contribute to this little volunteer organization, then uh, by all means, please send us an email to incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. 2013 was a big year, and we're really hoping that 2014, we have a lot of big goals here for 2014 uh, and we need the talent and the dedication from listeners like you that want to participate and help us out. Thanks to everyone who friends us and likes our posts on Facebook. Thank you so much for following us in 2013. Please continue to do so. Share those those tweets, those comments on Facebook. Uh, we get new followers every week, and we very much appreciate it. So make sure to jump on the Priority One podcast social media train and be sure to retweet and favorite all of our tweets. Don't forget, you can uh, also leave us a message now, uh, a voicemail. You can call us at 609-619-0834, standard local rate supply. Uh, or you can shoot us an email with an MP3 recording to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. We want it to be a dialogue with you guys. So, by all means, reply to us via email, reply to us on our social media, on the forum posts, on the posts on this for this episode on the forums or on our website, uh, and now, of course, through uh, through voice messaging. Well, that wraps up episode 155 of Priority One Podcast, recorded live on trekradio.net. Remember, we record Thursday nights live on Trek Radio, starting around 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific. As you know, Captains, we love hearing from you, our loyal listeners. If you have a suggestion, an idea, or topic for any of our segments, 
or you have general feedback about this episode, our email address is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. You can also send us a voice message through SpeakPipe, a telephone call, or record your own short message. Don't forget that this week's community questions are, what type of game mechanic would you like to see in Star Trek Online in 2014? And is Star Trek Online, or any other MMO for that matter, destined for next-gen consoles? Be sure to leave your comments in the comment section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO155 or in this episode's post on the official Star Trek online forums. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media accounts. Head over to Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast and give us a like. Or check us out on Twitter via at STO Priority One. Priority One is brought to you by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please visit PriorityOnePodcast.com to find out how you can help support the show. And again, a very special thanks to everyone who has contributed and continues to do so. And don't forget to check out Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. A special thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast, including our two-time Emmy Award-winning audio engineer, Skiffy. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. A special thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com. Most importantly, Captains, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek online community, our listeners. Without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Engage. Chivalry Bean returns with a foundry review of Valley of the Shadow Eye. Is that right? One. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Nailed it! I take it back. I'm gonna start I'm gonna write that article. (laughs) Okay, going back. I just that's just that's just that's poo poo. Poo poo caca. Is that a technical term? A technical term. For those of you who may have been following Stowe way back when Jack Emmert and Craig Zinkovich were at the helm, and Al Rivera hadn't seen the light of day. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want me me to take that? No, I'm going going back. Are the consoles functional in any way? Excuse me. Or are they just decorative? I will give the chat room some time to help me answer that question. Do, 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 do. That's right, because there is a delay. Like By the time they hear it in their ear holes, uh, a few seconds have passed. The answer is 42, as, uh, as Far- Farganaut, Far- uh, Farganaut says. Uh, that's funny. I just pissed off everybody in the chat room. Yeah, good job, Elijah. <laughs>
<laughs> Don't you trash hey, Max? Good Don't start. you trash Max while you're at it? Good start to the new year. Piss everybody off. This is Elijah closing. Sync one. I got gassy. Sync in three, two. Well, that wraps up episode one hundred. Actually, in a you start. I'm sorry, my bad. That doesn't well, matter. It doesn't matter. Well, I'll, that I'll go. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> go, go, you go, you go. Don't forget that this week's community questions are our are are. Don't forget oh, that this week's community questions are Chivalry being here with another Foundry Officer report. This time I Chivalry being here with another Foundry Officer report. This time I played in Valley of the Valley of the Shadow was a mission. For those who don't know, I recently moved and I'm recording in my new sound studio. Ain't it swell? Alright, this is Elijah. Sync one. This is Elliot. Sync two. Alright, feedback in three, two. Alright, so we've got feedback coming in 